one thing which is so valuable which is time 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 so they teach you to sow your time into things that are tangible um, and helpful for others hello friends it's that time time for real talk real life where we share stories that will impact your life so grab a cup of your favorite tea find your most comfortable chair as we get ready to journey into the circle. Subscribe now for future episodes. Today, we're joined by Isabel Gamier, who is a technology enthusiast and consultant who enjoys sharing innovative and practical insights. As a volunteer in different capacities for industry and faith groups, she enjoys collaborating in various ways, including assisting to build a more financially independent community. She holds a master's in digital currencies, among other designations, and is a regular conference speaker on fintech-related topics. We know how busy Isabel is, and we are so excited to have her join us in the circle so let's get ready. Listen in. Isabel, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce your last name because I know I will mess it up. So I'm going to allow you to, you know, tell us your full last, you know, your full name, including your beautiful last name. And just give us a little bit of a background because I want our audience to understand one of the main reasons why we have you here today. I'm going to give a quick background at first, though. Um, I heard Isabel speak to, um, to, a, to a different audience and she spoke so well about um, money and the value of money and how to use money and money as a tool. And I know we're not gonna talk only about money today, but I thought it was such a wonderful idea to have her join us in the circle and you know, present some of this valuable information that I think a number of people are missing today. So without further ado, Isabel, please pronounce your beautiful last name and give us a just a quick introduction of who you are. Over to you. Thanks a lot, Candice. It's such a pleasure to join you and your audience today. Uh, my full name is Isabel Gumei. So think about a gourmet chef, right? Gourmet, yeah. Gumei. <laughs> so I'm a technology enthusiast. Uh, I'm a technology consultant. That's what it's my day job, and that's what I enjoy. Uh, but as part of that, another part of me, like everyone else, we're not made up of one part, right? Yes. So I also enjoy seeing not just technology, but how in practical ways we're able to use finance, knowledge in finance to make our lives much better. So I'm all about community development. I do a lot of things with different organizations um, in different capacities. And at the end of the day, what's so fulfilling is to be able to say, we've thought about something. We've got a few people together and we were able to produce something that made someone's life better, right? So yeah. today what we're hoping we'll share will help someone sleep a little bit better when they're thinking about their personal finances. I'm not a financial advisor, uh, but certainly uh, someone who's willing to share what I've learned from my own journey yeah. and hopefully something there will resonate to help your listeners. Yes, absolutely. And um, the information that I've heard you presented in the past, it's not so much um, requiring a financial advisor input, a lot of it is very core based information that I think um, a lot of people may have missed out on or may not have recognized um, the importance of, of following some of those steps. And, you know, our parents, um, you know, you know they, they taught us to, to, you know, how to be valuable assets to, to this world. But um, I think sometimes, you know, as far as when it comes to money, um, they may have um, either neglected or unable to present the information in a way because they don't know either. So, um, so, so tell me a little bit more about some of those um, activities that you've been involved in that, that you mentioned before that will be valuable to help people. What are some of the things that make up the other parts of Isabel? So um, one of the areas that I volunteer in is, is, is through my church. So last year, you know, as you would know, we had a 
the initial lockdown and all of that that happened was in response to the pandemic threat for COVID-19. And one of the things that we had already started to do before the pandemic was a financial education, just volunteer uh, series. So essentially we had started it in, in our different churches physically meeting together. Yeah. And then when the pandemic yeah. hit, we ended up having to restructure. So we moved it, we had a series of six episodes that we actually did on the radio um, on 87.9. And it was awesome because we were able to get different speakers and different individuals to talk about how to manage money for, you know, for parents, for singles. Um, and in a separate program, because I also was assisting in some of the singles department, we we're actually able to get some perspective from a rabbi. You know, Rabbi Daniel Lappin was able to join us and share from a Jewish perspective some of those lessons. So just being involved in a diversity of persons, right? We, we had everything from financial advisors to educators to just a, a wide variety of persons, uh, investment managers, even we had one who joined us. Just from the perspective of saying, there's something you can learn from someone's lens and just being able to be a catalyst for that, I consider that to be a blessing. So that's some of the volunteership um, activities that I've been, invol been involved in that are specific to, to finance. Um, and of course, for those who know me, I'm, I'm quite of a, a tech fanatic. So I enjoy going into understanding more about blockchain and cryptocurrencies and just understanding where the world is going and what the opportunities are. And as we talk a little bit more, I'll also share a little bit of my own stories around some of the events of my life that have taught me <laughs> that yeah. it's important to make time to, to learn about some of these things. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And we're going to transition into that. But I want to marry that to, um, you know, the importance of volunteering, because I think it's such a vital thing to do as part of your life. Where, where did you learn um, the concept from? Where? You know, I, I remember growing up seeing my mother volunteer quite a bit. So it naturally came to me, okay, I need to give back. I need to volunteer. I need to tie my time to support others. Where did you, where did the value of volunteering um, come from for you? As children, you're voluntold, right? What to do? <laughs> <laughs> you're voluntold to go help your uncle, your aunt. You had to go to the country every yes season to go help out at the farm so you're kind of voluntold and yeah. as the years go by it translates right because when you go to school they, they tell you oh there's a children's home that needs to be yeah. supported and there's these orphanages there's all of these uh, different places where there's someone less fortunate than you yeah. and what they taught us is you have something to give and I, and I think when you're young you don't realize you have anything because you're like I have no money I have no <laughs> nothing but they actually teach you that you have one thing which is so valuable, which is time. time, time, time. So they teach you to sow your time into things that are tangible um, and helpful for others. So I definitely have to thank my parents um, and I'll quote her, my mom, I love to call her Madam SC because there's so many chronicles that we've learned from her. And even my grandparents were the same, right? So yes. you find that anytime they saw you idling around, you'll be put to work. So <laughs> volunteering, if you didn't volunteer you know they would give you something to do and it just stuck with you so yeah. what I've what I've tried to do as I get older now is to say what are the things that I'm more interested in and how can I use what I'm more interested in and maybe knowledgeable in to help others because then you add more value right than in the peripheral areas where you're not as strong yes absolutely Absolutely. And, 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 you know, as we, as we, uh, you know, start touching a bit on, on, on money and, and, you know, the value of money and the purpose of money and the tool, etc. Um, you know, for me, I remember reading a book, someone gave me a book that I read, and it just opened my eyes. And I went, Oh, my goodness, this, I've been following the status quo, I've been going on this, you know, you, 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 you know, especially if you're from the islands, it's important you get an education, which is good, but you, you know, you get the education, you get a job, you work there, then you try and save, then you retire. And, you know, that's yeah. it. There is, you know, you buy the house, you have the, and there's this, this system that is kind of in place that you go on automatic. And when I mm -hmm. read that book, it took me off that automatic, you know, kind of, of, of cycle. What, what happened? What, what happened in your life where you started to go, wait a minute, there may be a different way. There may be 
something I'm missing? Is there some information that I'm not gathering or gaining at this time that I need to find out more about? What, what was that? What was that catalyst in your life? And, and how did that take you on that journey to really want to grasp and understand money and, and how to engage with it? Well, I think to tell the story better, let's imagine, just imagine with me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's payday. You're excited. You've been waiting all 30 days <laughs> for this day. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. in the office like extra early. You're there like 6 a.m., whatever, 7, whatever. And you're rushing to check your email to see that, you know, that email from HR that has your payslip, your paystub, right? And when you open that email, you realize it says something very, very different from what you expected. It says only a small percentage of your income for this month will be paid in cash. The rest will be given to you in the form of a food hamper. You are going to get 15 kgs of fish, a sack of potatoes, milly meal, cooking oil, all of this stuff. And, and, and that's your salary. And, and that's the end of the email. <laughs> and so you read that and you think, okay, hold that thought. You wake up one day and the news heading is saying your friend's bank just went into bankruptcy. His entire life savings was in that bank. No explanation, no mm. forwarding to the public that occurred. And, and he calls you and says, this just happened to me. Like, what do you say? Right? Like, wow. what do you say? You go to the supermarket, the supermarkets don't have anything on the shelves, you know, to fill up your car with gas, you have to be up all night, you know? So I wish these were stories that never happened, <laughs> but unfortunately they did happen. And this was around 2008, 2000, and, you know, between in that time frame, we're on the Western side of the world, there was all of the financial crisis, yeah. but I was on the other side of the world in Southern Africa and inflation was skyrocketing. And so for, for the company that I worked for at that time, to give us the hampers. It's not because they didn't want to give us the cash. It's because they are clients. We were, we were consultants as well, right? But their clients couldn't pay in cash. So the client said to them, hey, I can pay you in goods because I produce these goods. I can give you these goods. And the company said, well, it's better we have something because then we have nothing to give our employees. Wow. And then wow. when you get it, you're like, this is, I never thought I'd get to this point, but this is actually a blessing in disguise because the supermarket has nothing. <laughs> Right. So you, you, you turn around from that and you say, wow, wow. this is wow. a lesson. I'm, I'm, in, um, I'm in the lesson of life right now. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get this lesson now, it's going to come back in a different way. And I'll be just as shocked and twice as upset because it's the second time around, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, that 2008, 2009, that financial crisis timeframe was really a wake up call. And it really spoke to me in terms of being proactive about what you can control. You can't control everything. And, and, and yeah. we learned that, right? But it helped me to understand that there are some things that I can control. You know, um, the Bible talks about a, a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, leaving a legacy. You know, so it, it really got me thinking about what can I control? Is there a way to be financial independent? And what does independent look like? What does it mean to not put your eggs in one basket? What does it mean to really leave a legacy when you can't even feed yourself, right? So for me, it was really that external force of, oh my goodness, did HR just send that email? (laughs) This is real to how long can this be sustained for? And practically, how do we avoid getting into this situation? So that's just a snapshot of what was really, that what began, I think, really to catapult my, my journey to understanding what financial literacy really meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a journey, is, is, is my view. Yes, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that journey, because you must have gone through some steps between getting that letter from um, from HR to now talking about cryptocurrency. <laughs> so, 
So, so give us some insights about that journey, just from the perspective for anyone that's listening, that's saying, you know what, I'm, I'm trying to get my, my, my finances in order. I know this is not a, a financial, you know, advice, um, you know, interview, but, you know, they're trying to get their, their, their money together. They, they're having challenges paying their bills. They're, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. You know, you mentioned some words that I think for some people that have not really grasped the concept as yet, maybe new, you know, you mentioned things like, you know, not having only one source of income. You mentioned things about, you know, leaving things for generations after you. You know, there there's so many concepts that you just added in that short statement that you made. Um, could you touch a little bit more on some of those as you journeyed from HR to crypto? <laughs> <laughs> so probably the best place to start is really with the power of a vision. Yes. Because the word says without a vision, you know, we perish. Mm. And something about writing the vision down, engraving it on a tablet, making it plain so that anyone who reads it can run with it. I, I think it's fundamental to anything more that we can talk about. Because if it's not clear what I want and it's not clear what I'm working towards, the motivation, the consistency, the deliberateness, all of that gets lost, right? In yeah. the true hustle and bustles of life. One of the things that I struggled with doing is actually being clear. What is my specific measurable, realistic time bound goal that I have for myself? Right. Really speaking financially. Because as a child, you, you are a recipient of other people's visions and you're a recipient of other people's goals. Yeah. But when you become an adult, people ask you where you wanna work, what you wanna do. And up to that point, other people have been making those decisions for you. And so when it comes to wealth management or finances, it's, it's the same concept. If I'm not able to articulate how I want my life to be in one line or two lines, you know, they say if you can explain something to a five-year-old, you've got it, right? If you can't, you know, if you can't simplify and say, well, excuse me, in, in 10 years from now, or by the time I turn 40, I would like to have a house, a car, or this or this, or whatever finance means to you, right? Because we know wealth means different things to different people. Yeah. But not yeah. being clear about that beginning in terms of what are you working towards. It's, it's almost like you're running a race and you have no ending. You just keep going and going. And then sometimes you get just discouraged and just stop and sit because you don't have anywhere to go. Mm -hmm. So the first step for me was really defining what the vision was. And the vision, because of what had happened, was how can we be more in control of the income that we earn? And that's where the idea of, okay, how much control do you want? Okay, maybe maybe I had a dollar, but maybe at that time, if I had a hundred dollars, my life would have been a lot better, even when I got that HR email, because maybe they gave me groceries I didn't need, right? Um, but maybe if I'd had the hundred dollars, that would have been enough. So the hundred dollars becomes my initial starting point and then, but it's not, I'm not chasing the hundred dollars. I'm chasing what I can do with the hundred dollars. Mm. Oh, this means now I can buy my mom that purse she wants, so I can buy my kids this, so I can do this and that. That's the vision now. Um, there's a, a some gentleman that I follow out of the US who was saying one of his visions was he, he never wanted his children to pay for college. Uh, so he, his vision was to be able to pay for his college fees. I can tell you growing up in Southern Africa, our parents paid for our universities. That was a normal part of our lives. We didn't have student debt, right? So, but then when you come to this side of the world and there is debt, you end up just taking all this money if you don't have a vision for what you're going to use it for. Mm -hmm. So I would start with that. The quick thing is have a vision, be very clear about where you want to be and where you want to get to. Write it down. There's power in writing it down. Yeah. Make it as simple as possible. Two lines, this is where I want to get to by this time. Once you have that, then you can set up realistic goals and say a year from now, six months from now, three weeks from now, every day, because then you start to realize the value of time. If you think about Usain Bolt or all of those athletes, right? What do they do? They know the Olympics is in four years. They train. They're looking for the best trainers, the best food, the best sneakers. They've got that vision. They're not going to sleep for three years and then say, oh, only my, you know, six months before the Olympics. They don't do that. And yet we do that for the Olympics of our lives, right? We, we do that. We don't practice. We don't, you know, we don't consult the experts who know better than us. We're not 
you know, we're not looking at our lives and saying, what is taking money from me? Is it because I'm sick all the time? Why am I sick all the time? Maybe I'm not eating right. Maybe that's what I need to fix first. Maybe I'm not sleeping well. Maybe I'm not exercising. You know, just being able to take ourselves as a company or as an athlete and say, I need to build myself the same way if I was, you know, Apple or Samsung or whatever, or Usain Bolt, and just treating our lives with the same level of value and intentionality. Yeah. So that's where I start. Yeah. Absolutely. And even with intentionality, and you mentioned, you know, you know, food, what you put in your body, you know, all those are part of that puzzle that creates that one being whereby your finances, your, you know, your income, et cetera, it's just a part of that. And it's so funny because it's a vital part that can affect so many, so many other things. Um, so as far as, you know, there, there's a word sometimes when I mention it to people, it sounds like it's a curse word and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I just can't do it. It's not for me. And it's the word budgeting. <laughs> you would think it's a four letter word. What are your thoughts on, on, on budgeting as part of, of how you manage your money, how you manage your financing? I'd say budgeting is synonymous with self-discipline, right? Mm. Because you're putting yourself under submission to something that you are actually creating for yourself. Where we struggle a lot is where we don't buy into the vision that the budget is trying to create. That's mm. the challenge. Because the budget is simply saying, I am being accountable, right? What I'm bringing yeah. in must be less than what I'm spending for me to have excess, right? And the excess becomes your savings. So if, if the vision that I have is I want to have $100 by the end of February, my income coming in is $120. And if I'm fighting to stay under $100, it means I really wasn't serious about saving $100 by the end of February. I'm not, I, I haven't committed to the vision as yet. So that's one part of what I would say. The other part of, which is more of the discipline side of it is, it's, it's anything that your body is doing for the first time, you're learning to run a 5K, you're learning to do this, it's hard. Yes. Right, it's, it's hard. And if you don't have a self-awareness, right? So self-awareness is, I can discipline myself. Then sticking to your own budget might be hard. Mm. Uh, I'll give you a different example. Most people can't wake up uh, in you know on the weekend to go anywhere or do anything but if they had to go to work for seven o'clock or six o'clock they would be there right so what does that show you about human behavior it shows that sometimes when you pursue someone else's vision you're more committed than when you're pursuing your own I'm sorry right? I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you right there because that needs to be on a t-shirt repeat what you <laughs> said no that is no that is a solid statement repeat that for me please well if you aren't able to pursue your own vision, then you might need to essentially be under someone else's vision, mm. which is not ideal, right? Mm. You need to be more faithful to your own vision mm. than you are to somebody else. Because the moment you can't tell yourself something and be faithful to it, it already means you need to come under subjection for someone else. Now, if we can take that in a different way to make it work in your favor, Right. I'll give you an example. Um, might not be a huge fan of, you know, eating my vegetables, but I have a friend who's vegan. And I love my vegan friend because every time I'm with her, she will be raving about the latest vegetable recipe and her latest vegan ice cream that she's made and going on and on. Her, my exposure to her and making myself accountable to her in certain areas, right? helps me. So if I tell her, for example, I want to eat my veggies three times this week, can you call me to check up on me? She will call me. <laughs> In fact, she might drive to my house, which is a bigger problem. She knows where I live and deliver <laughs> the veggies to me, right? So it, it then means coming back to self-awareness. If I'm unable to motivate myself, if I've got a clear vision and I'm failing to motivate myself, I need an accountability partner. Yeah. And my partner cannot be my equal. The partner has to be someone who is stronger than me, who is pulling me up, yes. right? Who's pulling me up and saying, come up higher. If I'm training for, um, if I'm saying to myself, I want to, you know, get fit or whatever, I need a friend who's fitter than me, right? I need someone else who, who goes to the gym every day and who's obsessed, who will make me feel bad for my 30 minutes, 
But when I've done an hour, I'm not going to do five hours like they do, mm-hmm. but they'll push me to get there better. So I, I think being aware of your strengths and your weaknesses helps you to then be committed coming back to your budget question now to say, if I meet with a financial advisor every three months, if that's what I need, I don't have to, but if that's what I need to shame me into where are you, right? (laughs) For them to ask me where I am with my own goals, if that's what's going to help me, I have to do it. Like we have to be honest with ourselves in terms of our strengths and weaknesses. Uh, The other thing you can then do and say, okay, if doing your whole budget at the end of the day is hard, then put safeguards for yourself, right? Dave Ramsey talks a lot. This is a guy out of the US, talks a lot about the envelope system, putting cash in different envelopes, your shopping envelope, your food envelope, your fun envelope. And he says, whenever you want to do something, you just pick that envelope. If the envelope is empty, too bad, right? (laughs) That's it, that's it, that's it. I, I appreciate the, the the envelope example. I remember when we, I mean, I've been married 20, 20 some odd years, but um, for a vast number of those years, we use that, that envelope <laughs> strategy because when it's done, it's done. Um, you know, so it's, so it's interesting. It, it definitely uh, helps you with a level of control and discipline, as you mentioned. And I think that's a great segue into saving. Like, you know, I, I am, I'm always surprised of the statistics around the number of people that do not save. And I think a lot of people are realizing and recognizing the importance of saving, you know, especially with this new crisis that is in play. So what are your, what are your thoughts um, about, about saving? It's really good that you brought out the, the pandemic, right? Because what we learned from that is it's really, really challenging to know which industry is going to remain afloat and which one isn't. Yes. And so the power of saving, in my mind, is really two, two-sided. It's from the emergency fund lens to basically say three to six months worth of expenses. You want to have that money in liquid form, in actual cash form, or if you can't hold it in cash because your hands are slippery, put it in a term deposit, something that's not, it's not about the interest you're going to get from it. It's about accessibility of that uh, amount to help you in an emergency. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to emergencies as well, it's not just you, right? It could be emergencies with the people that depend on you, Yes. right? Yes. So you want to make sure that you incorporate that um, as well. And the other side of saving, I would say, is also a backup emergency fund. This is more the six months to one year for the unexpected. So I would include things like if you're trying to buy a house, it's probably good to have six months to a year of other funds that are aside so that if you know you, if you need to pay your mortgage down, you know, you, you have the savings for that or something else came up, you you are really ready for it. It comes back from planning and when you align it with your goals, it keeps you motivated. If you said to yourself, if I have three to six months worth of expenses, then if it's going to take me between now and end of June to get there, it means from July, you can start saving for your vacation. You know, you can do things in a way that allow you to be motivated. So I think it's when you talking about savings, you want to integrate that in your budget, right? You want to be realistic. How much can you save each month? And sometimes it might require you to work two jobs or three jobs to be able to speed up that saving process. And it's fundamental in my view to start with the saving before you start investing Mm. because the saving is really that cushion that you have. And with cushion comes a measure of clarity. It reduces your stress immediately and it allows you, you talked about being married. If, if, If your husband is making investments and you know that you have a three to six month or six month to a year cushion, you'll be more comfortable with taking some of those risks if something else was to happen. So I think saving is the, is the basic first step. And the classic example of that is really uh, Joseph in the Bible, where we see him, you know, during seven years of plenty, he went through every district and they had granaries full of grain that they put aside. In the seven years of plenty, they could sell that grain and essentially send it out, mm-hmm. uh, sell it out to other people. But it had to start with that vision of, what do we do in the time of plenty? We have to save like the ant. Even the ant is wise. <laughs> it saves yeah, for the winter, yeah. you know? So I, I think it's about accessibility and availability when we're talking about saving and not to confuse the interest and profitability 
angle with simply being able to survive. Because at that point, if you don't have the money set aside, it doesn't matter how much interest you could have gotten, the money just doesn't exist. Yes, yes. And and savings too, because it, it, I guess the concept around it, because I've seen some ads on television, for example, that says, um, you know, there's this insurance that you can pay for each month in case your appliances break down or in case your car breaks down. And the first time I saw that, I was like, hmm, but why would you need to... <laughs> pay these people money for when something breaks down. And it's, 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 it's then understanding that the concept around, you know, again, as you're saying, if you're not putting money aside for that emergency fund, if you're not putting money aside in case something goes wrong, then you find that you're in a situation where, yes, this may sound viable to you. Okay, so if I pay the, this company a little bit of money each month, when I do need to have something done, I can go and pull on that. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting how businesses are created around people that are probably not um, saving. Um, there's, a, there's a discussion that I had with, um, with my brother and also my son the other day, because we were talking about, um, you know, people that, you know, you think it's really good that you live within your means. And so there was this little discussion that went on that I said, actually, no, I don't think that's the best thing to do. I don't think you should live within your means. And they're like, what? I'm like, no, you should live below your below your means, because if you live below your means, I feel that's an opportunity to help you as well as far as savings and then moving on to investing. Um, what, what are your thoughts around that? I mean, you know, is, is, it, is it best to live below your means? And if so, what, what's your take, your take on it? You sound like my mom when you say that. That's something that she would have said. You, you want to live below your means, absolutely, is, is my view. And or said it in a different way, and this might again be Dave Ramsey who said this first, live like no one else so you can later live like no one else. Yes. You are living below your means for a time to reach your goal. Once your goal is reached, then you can start living like that crazy person. You know, you've heard of, um, if you, you know, you're, you might be familiar with the FIRE movement out of the US, financial independent retire early. Wow. A lot of their members are retiring in their 30s because they basically, from the time they were in their 20s, like your son, buying a house or making these investments, they were living, some of them almost frugally, right? Like really living the basic expenses that yeah. they needed to, so that by 37 or 40, early 40s, they are ready to retire, Absolutely. right? And everybody now looks at them and says, hey, how come you're retiring now? but they were living like no one else then. So now they can live like no one else. So I think there's value in that because it allows you again to be more proactive, driven by the vision that you have. And that will look different for different people. It could mean you buy a secondhand car, but for someone else, a secondhand car might not work for them, for, for their lifestyle, right? If it breaks down, it might not be good for them. So the, that might it might not be in every area of your life that you live below your means, but it's certainly where it matters based on your vision. It's then saying, is this the time where we need to have one family car versus two? Is this the time where we need to cut back on vacations for the next year so that we take that excess money and we put it towards canceling or completing this debt, right? So there's definitely value in my view of looking through your portfolio and saying, or your, your, your life and say, which areas are better? It could be that I don't buy myself new clothes but I pay for a full medical uh, assessment down on my body. Because if you get the full ones, those ones can cost a couple of thousand dollars. And maybe you only do that once, you know, once every five years, but you've basically invested in your own health while you are, you know, so you're living below your means in the fashion area or in the travel area, but you're then enriching yourself in, in, in your health. So just finding that balance, I think is important. Yes, absolutely. And I know you had mentioned, um, you know, as I said, my brother bought his house at 22, and he will be the first to tell you if he will compound exactly what you're saying. He is frugal. <laughs> and he makes no bones about it, because he had to be frugal to do what he's doing. And because he made that first step on understanding the benefit of frugality, he is you know, he, he's just continuing on that process. So it's so interesting that you said that because that's exactly what he, he did. He really deprived himself of a number of things to be able to get to where he wants. But again, that's his goal. And it's important, as you said, to know and understand what your goal um, is. 
Um, so let's let's touch a little bit on on on, on cryptocurrency because you know we, we get so many different um, opinions um, on it. I was, I was looking at a, at a friend's podcast the other day and she had someone on there that said stay away from it. Um, you know, crypto is up right now. You know, I have a I have a little app that I you know I, I play around with it a, a little bit in particular Bitcoin. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's doing fabulous now. Um, so it's, and then now I've also heard, I think on the news, I think it was either Visa or MasterCard that is now going to start um, accepting, uh, accepting a little bit. So I don't think it's going anywhere, but, but what have your research uh, shown, you know, for regarding crypto for those that are, that are listening in or have no idea what crypto is. Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a buzzword now. Um... What I what I would like to say as a backdrop to all of this is anything that you invest in has a risk. Yes. It's all about measuring the risk and quantifying that risk. And the first thing you will learn in investment 101 is don't invest in anything you don't understand. Or at least don't over-invest in anything yes. you don't understand. <laughs> the stock stock market i don't even I, I think there's like a secret play card that you know sometimes i wonder i'm like do i even have any sort of control on this like mm, probably not <laughs> but you still invest in it because it's an option and you're seeing what's happening so i, I completely agree with what you're saying yeah so i would say with anything and and especially with um when you think about the risk spectrum you've got the low risk investment a lot of things like the term deposits we talked about, gold and so forth, tend to be in there. You can argue whether it's low or moderate. Moderate would be maybe the real estate, you know, everything is going well. And then the high risk is new things, new things that are coming up that haven't yet matured to be proven to work in the long term. A lot of the things that have been around, like the stocks and bonds, is because they've been there for years. And yeah. you've watched their performance over years and you know, I don't know, 60 or 70% of the time, exactly, it will you know, go down, it will come up. But if you ride the wave and you don't sell when it's low, right, you will be able to, to, to ride some gains. So it's the same thing. Cryptocurrencies are essentially digital money, right? Yeah. So it's, there's no physical touching of it. Um, it's based on a lot of mathematical and cryptographical concept but what it is, it's a representation of value. You know, what you transfer to me and we record that transaction on something that sits on the internet, they call that the blockchain. It's essentially a ledger, a database mm -hmm. where no one person controls. So it's all about decentralized money, right? Or decentralized economy where no one person can control or go back and say, I'm double spending or go back and say, hey, Candace said you never gave her that, you know, you never passed on anything to her, you lied or this and that. You've got a record of it that's transparent, that's long lasting. But like with any ecosystem, if, th if you think about the parallel with regular money, what makes it valuable? It's people's perception, yeah. one. But two, it's also the, the governments that support it and the economies of those countries, right, that support Think about the pound or the US dollar and all of those economies. And all of those things are great, right? In this economy, in this blockchain cryptocurrency economy, the whole concept is decentralization. We don't want any one person to have control. We don't want any, coming back to the, the initial story that I gave you at the beginning of yes. my friend going to the bank and the bank being closed. I'm not saying every bank is going to close because that's not it. That There was a specific circumstance that surrounded that bank. The concept is simply saying, is there a way that we can create an economy where value can be exchanged from one person to the next without an intermediary, that intermediary or, or at least reduced intermediary that makes the process faster, cheaper. It's recorded in a way that all of us who are participating in this ecosystem can go back at any point in time and verify that the transaction occurred. We're all happy with what happened. And in so doing, we allow more people who are previously unbanked, because there's so many millions of people who don't have uh, banks, banking account, bank accounts, sorry, right now, they, they, they are out of this ecosystem. They are still buttering together. Yeah. And even if you move away from currency, because it can be argued if it's a currency, if you just think about transferring something from you to me, I'm buying land from you, I'm buying a car from you, can we record it somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, 
on this blockchain, which is essentially a database that sits on the internet, we can write rules in it, which is what we call smart contract. So it will say, for example, you bought travel insurance from me, and if your flight doesn't go, the contract will say, hey, we got the update from the airline, the flight didn't go, we're gonna immediately pay Candace straight away. Yeah. You don't have to call me to then say, hey, I didn't fly. Oh, no, then prove to me that the flight. No, all of that ecosystem works with data sharing and data. There's just a lot that goes into it to make life more efficient, faster, cheaper. And is it going to take over the whole world? I don't think so. I think it will work in parallel with what is there. I think it has a, a purpose, it has a value. I'm a big enthusiast, so, yes, but I'm yes. also a realist, right? Because part of how, my, how I think about any new technology is, yes, there's some brain, there's some significant changes it will bring, but it will also bring some improvements to the things that are there. Central banks now are talking about central bank digital currencies. Governments now are talking about how can they digitize their own currencies. So they're improving based on this concept of seeing a parallel system that works. And the bottom line is not everyone uses the same currency around the world now, right, either. So why would we want to assume that everyone in the world will adopt one crypto? Already the crypto market is proving that that's not true. We have over a thousand cryptocurrencies, right? Me and my family could create a crypto tomorrow, right? Yeah. The Gooms <laughs> crypto, right? <laughs> so my take on it is, is it going to succeed? I believe it is. Yeah. How will it yeah. succeed? By adding value. If it doesn't add value to our lives, it shouldn't succeed. Does today's dollar value depict what it is? It depicts what the market says it's worth. But if you think about in the end, decentralized finance is building a parallel system where it will allow you to get loans, to get um, mortgages, insurance, everything else that you get in the current financial system, uh, in the current centralized financial system, in an, alter in an alternative way, uh, as an alternative. And you choose at the end of the day which one. And until it becomes widely accepted, people will always be moving back and forth between regular fiat currency with cryptocurrency. So there will be a jewel. That's how I see it. I see it as a jewel ecosystem where if you want to go to the doctor's office, the doctor might not accept all the Bitcoin that you have. So you will have to sell something, right? <laughs> you want to get your check, your checkup done. Who knows? They, they might. They might maybe in a few years from now. Um, I, I, I see it as a high risk investment. And I would encourage that anyone who puts any money into it should only put the money that you're willing to lose so you can sleep at night. If all yeah. you can is, is $10, I actually had a friend of mine the other day and they said, you know, $10 is, is what they can lose. And I said, that's perfectly fine. You can take your $10 and you can buy, uh, th there's so many cryptocurrencies now that are less than a dollar. They're in the sense. So yeah. you could actually own 10 units of X or you could yeah. own 0. Yeah. 0.00. Yeah, 0.0045. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the other day, I'm like, what? That's right. how much? <laughs> exactly. And, and depending on how financially savvy you are, there's so many ways of playing in the space in a way that you can manage. If you're a trader already, you can trade Bitcoin. You don't have to own any of it. You can just trade it. If you're already investing in shares right, of companies, you can buy the, all of these exchanges, for example, some of the participants in this blockchain ecosystem actual companies that you can buy a share for. So a lot of them do initial coin offering, initial token offering. You can buy those and you don't have to own any crypto at all, mm -hmm. but you own a percentage of the company itself that's that's a participant in the system. In, there, in that field, yes. Yeah, so I think technology, yeah, technology, health, telecoms, all of these are emerging and will continue to be emerging industries. Anything, if we learned anything from 2020, anything that's technology-based is here to stay. Right. So the more you can invest in yourself for you to learn. Right. This is now the time for you to upskill yourself, mm -hmm. understand from your current pivot point, what whatever knowledge you have, how do you build on that mm -hmm. and how do you then manage your risk? Don't listen to anyone who tells you to put your whole life savings into this. No, don't do that. Only put the amount that you're willing to lose. And. If you see it double, quadruple, that's fine. Manage your risk as you go along. If you see it plunge down, 
you only lose the money when you sell. So if it plunges down and you don't need the money, don't sell. Just wait again and until it goes up to an acceptable level for you and sell it. Yes, yes, that is absolutely some solid advice. And I like the fact that you made it clear that, yes, it is a high risk. You know, it's it's new, it's emerging, it is high risk. But if you have a small amount, you know, absolutely, you know, you want to go ahead and start playing in the field to kind of see. And a small amount is, is $10, as you mentioned, is, mm-hmm. is absolutely more than enough. Um, so for those people that are not at, you know, that level yet, and they're still trying to um, kind of pull themselves up, pull themselves through, um, especially with 2020. Uh, let me mm-hmm. rephrase my question. If, if you were, what's the best advice that you could present to anyone that, you know, has struggled through this whole crisis that is currently happening, in particular from a monetary perspective? A reality check, in my view, is always the best. And it's very hard when you're going through a difficult time to be honest. And one of the things we learned, and I'll just go back to my HR example, when HR was telling us we're only getting a small percentage in cash and the rest in food hampers, we had to do a reality check of what, are, what is my actual cost? What is the cost to be me? Mm. I need to know what that cost to be me is, right? So if the cost to be me, and by that I mean what is my, if I own the house or if I have a mortgage, if I have a car, if I have, if I take a bus to work or what is my food, water, like I need to be able to write all of that down and come up with, this is my list of the cost to be me. Okay, off that cost, is there anything that I can cut back on? Because this is what I can control right? Okay, maybe I'm buying, um, I know a lot of people drink coffee, maybe I'm buying coffee every day. Okay, if I saved and bought coffee, maybe once a week or whatever, is there anything at all that I can cut back on? Then I'm, I'm looking for what I can control. And then on the other side, right, on the left side, I've got all of the cost to be me. On the right side, I will have, what is the income that I have coming in, if at all, right? Mm-hmm. So, what is my difference there? Because before I know what I'm dealing with, I'm trying to deal with an elephant, but I'm not looking at it, right? So I need to be able to slice that and say, okay, this is the current cost to be me, this is my income. And then what is the difference between that? Maybe I'm in the negative, okay? Then I have to, if I haven't included it already, I have to include what I owe other people. That's important too, right? We have to be people who are honest and people of integrity. So what do I owe other people? And so, of the people that I owe, are they individuals? Is it my friend? Is it my cousin? Can I talk to them and say, hey, let me make a payment plan, right, to you. I'm I'm gonna be honest. Um, This is what I can do. And then I go back and say, okay, I now know what the cost is monthly to be me. I now know what I can earn. I now know what I owe and who I owe. How can I increase now what I'm bringing in to reduce that deficit? And part of it could be, Maybe I need to sell something. Maybe I have a new phone. Maybe that's what I need to sell, right? I'm, do I need to live with a cheaper phone until I bridge the gap to where I'm more comfortable, mm-hmm. right? Do I need, is there anything in my control that I can sell? I think I had one, uh, one presenter say, sell so much that the kids think they're next, right? Like, you're, <laughs> yeah, is there anything I can sell? Because it will give me some sort of you know, recurring income. If there isn't anything I can sell, then the next thing I think about is my gift makes room for me and brings me before kings, right? That's what the word says. So what are the gifts that I have that I can monetize? Okay, maybe I can mow the lawn every Sunday morning and and get that. Maybe I can um, go and work extra at whatever because I've got this gift. I, I have, maybe I can do a massage. Maybe that's what I need to be spending money on, maybe I can do this, maybe I can do that. It's just looking through and seeing, is there any other way of increasing my income? Um, If if there's two of us or three of us, what can we do together? Because our gifts would be different, right? Uh, what, What can we do together? There are many, many stories of families where they ended up starting a family business online. You know, a lady was saying she started her business. I think she was knitting something. She got her kids to dress as the models. You know, she makes them take pictures. That's it, right? You can do so much online. There's so many online opportunities there that are there that never used to be before. 
we all know people who've made money from teaching people English. Um, you can go on different websites nowadays and you can be an executive assistant online for someone. You know, you can write minutes for them. You can, it's now exploring what you can do based on the skills you have, the time you have, um, and the stress level you can manage. Because some people can't manage physically going somewhere, but if they were to sit down and proofread someone's thesis paper, and you know, there's so many websites now, when I was doing my, my thesis, they, were, they said they will proofread it for you. You know, proofread it in 24 hours, you pay them $50, right? <laughs> you just needed a second pair of eyes, right? I'm, I'm not saying that's what someone has to do, but depending on your skill set and, and what you're comfortable with, you are then looking to say, is there anywhere where you can add your income? And then from then you start building that emergency fund, right? To say, how can you shelter yourself? Uh, is there in, in, maybe it's at your workplace, there's an opportunity for a promotion. Maybe that's what you need to work towards, right? But realistically, is that going to take six months or a year? It might take too long, yeah. right? So it might be your six month long-term plan and that's okay. But again, you align that with your vision to say, okay, for me to be ready a year from now or six months from now, I, I, maybe I need to learn Spanish. Maybe that maybe that's what you need to learn. Or maybe you need to do this. And you start to see yourself as agile, as flexible, as you know, a person who can adapt. Sometimes we have to be out of our natural uh, inclination to get to where we want to be. Because everything we were doing got us into that position. It means we have to do something different in order for us to get to a different result. And then after that, once that result is reached and you're earning more than you're spending, then if, 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 if the lifestyle you had before was working for you and that's what, where you want to go, you can do that. Or you decide that th what you're doing now is worth keeping, then you, you've got the freedom to make that decision. Yeah. But I think yeah. we underestimate the one thing we all have as human beings, which is equal. We mm -hmm. all have 24 hours, all of us. Yes. And yes. that 24 hours is gold. It's gold. Yeah. It's, it's a treasure. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's how you use it. Um, you know, those are some very solid points. And, and I like the, the fact that you said, you know, it's the reality of what it is and, and analyzing the situation. Sometimes I feel like we get paralyzed because it seems so big, as you said, that elephant. But how do you break? How do you slice that elephant to different pieces? Um, there was something I was listening to the other day that they said, uh, which I think relates great to what you were just saying. You know, a lot of times you make excuses to say, oh, we just don't have the time. And with this whole crisis that's taken place, we were forced, there, there, you know, time is there because a lot of people were, may not be traveling or some people may not be working or, so now you have the time. If you transition through this time period without at least learning something new mm -hmm. or improving your skills in some way, then you have really missed out. You have lost some valuable time. And I think a second point that they'd make, you know, all the excuses that you've made in the past, now you don't have it. So is it the fact that you're not motivated, you're not pushing yourself enough because time is no longer an excuse. So it was just so, it was just so uh, pertinent when you made that comment that, you know, that connected um, for me indeed. So is there anything, any valuable information that you think that you can share for anyone that's listening that, you know, you wish I had asked you as we, as we come to a close around all this valuable details that you've shared? Is there something that you wish I'd asked that you think is going to be pertinent for our audience? One, one thing that comes to mind is a reminder that don't be afraid to fail. Mm. When you when you try something new, it's it's scary, it's challenging, and a lot of people, even to you, as we're talking about the, the pandemic and having more time, we are afraid to fail, and yeah. because of that, we then don't try. But if we go back to what we talked about earlier in terms of managing your risk, so what if you start, you know, knitting jerseys and nobody buys them? You could give some of them away as gifts to your friends when they have babies and you, you cut back your, your baby um, spending, you know? There's different ways of trying out a new business in a way that tests the market mm. that, that you can manage, that you can use to manage the fear factor. Because a lot of us don't want to try something different because we're afraid it, it will fail. Yeah. But sometimes you have to do it again and again. You wrote the budget down, you stayed on track for two months in the third month, you know, life happened, it was your birthday, you turned 30 and, you know, you went off the rails, come back, 
and try again. I, there's so much power in that persistence and in, in that trying again and, and in forming a support group that's actually focused on what you're trying to do. No man is an island. There's someone else who's trying to do the same thing and they've probably already got it or at least some learnings, right, in, 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 that, in that path. So I am a strong believer that we all have gifts that we were born with, that we were endowed with. It's only because a lot of us were used to running in one lane for so long that you don't realize that in the other lanes, there's things for you. Uh, someone used the expression that said, if uh, a duck and, um, they said a duck and, uh, and a lion were in the same race together, the duck will lose all the time, but throw them in the water, right? It's now in its race, it's gonna go off. And a lot of us have been in that line of, this is just the way it is. But no, we are actually putting more limitations on ourselves. So I would say the, the broader we think of ourselves as having multiple gifts, multiple talents that are like plants that need to be watered. Some things come naturally, some things that people will tell us like, hey, you know, Candice, you're so good at styling your hair. How do you do that? And people keep asking you how you do it. You, to you, it's not a, it's not a thing, yeah. right? But who knows? Somebody could be willing to pay you five bucks to teach them how to <laughs> style your hair. You know? And then you look, you know, it could be anything is, is what I'm saying. Some could be gifts, some could be talents, some could be hobbies that you just enjoy. But, but at the end, I believe we are all blessed with a gift that we can give to the world. And some of those gifts will help us cover our financial challenges. Yes. Some of those other ones simply make us happy and reduce the stress in our lives and help us to be a blessing to other people. So we want to keep that balance between the monetary side and the life side, just to enjoy your life. But, but at the end of the day, I think it boils down to that one thing. Try as much as possible to be living your vision and not be spending your entire life fulfilling somebody else's because then you will feel more fulfilled and you don't know how many people are waiting to be inspired mm -hmm. by you. Mm -hmm. You know, how many people now have inspired us simply because they stepped out. We talk about Martin Luther King. We talk about all these greats who went against the grain and, and look at the impact Rosa Parks, all of these are, I'm mentioning them because it's black history month, right? So February, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and there's so many legends that we can talk about around the world um, of any race, of any culture that were committed and they stayed true to what they felt was, was important to them. And so in the end, we can do all things is, is my belief and tap, tapping into that faith, that hope, and just not giving up even when you've tried it, but knowing it's, it's, it's worth it, not just for you and for the people around you, but for your for your children or your generation that comes after you, because that was the legacy. I just remember that you asked about, about the legacy, yeah. right? To yeah. say it's leaving something that the other people who come behind you can pick up and they're not starting from scratch. They're sta we're standing on the soldiers of giants is essentially what legacy is all about. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think um, we don't get a chance to do that as often as we should. You know, there, there are other, um, cultural, even as you said, Black History Month for, you know, for Black people in particular, a lot of times, especially in the U.S., you know, that, that legacy to, to, to be left behind, the ratio is so small, and I think it's something we really need to think about. Um, there is a story, Isabel, that you told on, on another chat that I was on that, you know, even for, for me that think, yes, you know, there's, there's always something to learn, but this was something I learned, and it's going to be fun. It's probably a story you probably don't even remember. But I think when you were talking about budgeting, and, and I'm just going to close off with this because I think it was just so pertinent. Um, you said that if if someone like a friend of yours was getting married or something, and you had already budgeted for that month, <laughs> and it's this last minute thing that you have to come up with the gift. <laughs> like tell, go ahead and, and, and tell that story <laughs> because I, 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 it was so pertinent for, for me to, to realize the importance of trying to you know, to stay the course, um, you know, to be able to make things, to, to make your goals and your, your dreams a reality for, you know, because that's one thing, but it could be six of those things that could have thrown you completely off your plan. So go ahead. I, that, that was a very impactful story for me. I'd love for you to share it. Sure. So 
one of my and and this happens quite often is either somebody's getting married or someone is having a baby those are <laughs> usually the outflows that come on some sort of cycle and when i looked at my budget i just didn't have the money or i would have had to take money that was meant for something else to buy the gift and i had to tell them i'm sorry i'm going to put you on a list and when i have the funds i will buy your gift and i did that for two or three individuals i ended up giving them their gift about almost 6 months after and essentially by the time the baby had already grown so i got them a, an older baby gift yeah and the yeah. response it, it it was a little bit stressful for me to say that but i had to be honest with them and i felt that if they truly valued who i am they would understand me as well and when i went to them with the gift 6 months later they said to me i am so glad you came and i'm so appreciate because now a lot of the baby gifts that i did get my child has outgrown them and so now your gift is more timely yes <laughs> because it's come now but the concept for me was two i guess twofold one is i had to discipline myself to stick within my own this is the framework i've made for myself i have to stick with it and two i had to be honest because a lot of us a lot of times we we want to impress other people mm. but sometimes we want to impress them with who we not we with a fake version of who we are we would be surprised how much more receptive other people would be if we were just more honest yeah and you find yeah. certain individuals as well they'll give you you know advance notice for certain things you know 6 months from now this is going to happen or 3 months from now this is going to happen and you might have enough time to prepare that's okay but it could still be that your finances are just not there and your if they're in my view if they truly someone who values you they don't want you to not eat for three nights because you had to give them a gift i i, I think just the practical side of it i think is important too so it was a big lesson for me to say you've got to be honest if they had gotten upset i would have been okay with it because at least i still stayed on track with my goals but yeah. surprisingly yeah. they supported me and 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 now i've i've gotten it down i have another friend who secretly got married and she told me last week i'm like well if it was a secret you got away <laughs> you got away <laughs> i couldn't have put you on the budget sorry yes <laughs> you will get your gift you will get yeah. it but you know within within the time frame that that definitely fits um fits my budget i thought that was that was so pertinent and i think it's important for any young person that's listening in or for anyone that is you know that that is fine that they're in a financial strain or they're trying to dig themselves out or they're trying to right size their budgeting process i think that's something very important for them to hear and also it's a good measurement of your friendship of your associates too you know if you if you explain yourself uh, clearly and they're still upset as you said you're okay with it but then you know you would have to ponder um you know where where the where that the space that that person is coming from and probably question okay probably need to talk about budgeting <laughs> with this friend <laughs> um but isabel this was such an informative chat i i absolutely need you to come back i know we just scraped just the top off it um i i feel like we we need to break things down for people that are just going into the world those that are you know heading into the world within this um financial strained time and for those that are you know probably in the middle of you know just a little bit of a financial challenge i i find that you know people find themselves in these situations without even realizing it just as you were talking about budget and buying gifts you know people are still going on vacation back then in the probably pre 2020 on a credit card and pay for it over time you know so i just think it's it would be great to have you back just to just to continue to encourage individuals that are trying to you know if they if i are being on with that um financial independent retire early <laughs> even if it's that course um you know that that path that they are on i think it's 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 incredible for us to go ahead and and talk about that so thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and i know you've done a lot of research and dug into things to be able to speak so eloquently about it and we do value value that time um i am going to go ahead and have you go ahead and express your um Your thanks for all for your audience that's here right now if you want to just introduce this the the names that are here and who they are before before we close out. 
I want to say a huge thank you to you, Candice. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to some of your pre previous interviews. Uh, certainly looking forward and wishing you success as you go forward. And absolutely happy to, to, to come back at another convenient time and we pick up the discussion. I'm, I'm not going to put uh, my friends and family on the spot. <laughs> we can see <laughs> them on the screen, you. though. We see Sarah and Franklin and Reynolds. And <laughs> <Lee>. <laughs> a huge thank you to all of them. And, and, and especially, uh, I would definitely just call out um, the queen, um, who is our, you know, my mom, um, Madam Essie, just to say a huge thank you to her because she taught us from the time that we were young to, to, to try to do our best and, and, and managing not just our, our own uh, finances, but also to, to, to be of service to others. And so all of that comes from, from all of that wealth of knowledge. So thank you so much, Candice, and we'll talk again in future and have a great day, everyone. Absolutely, and I will shout out my mother as well, who is a fantastic example. I think she's the first one that I heard distinctly say, do not have one source of income. And she represents that so well. So a shout out to all, all the mothers as well. This episode is brought to you by Bridge Tech Group, your source for personal and business coaching. For additional information on the services being provided, visit our website at bridgetechgroup.com. Again, that's bridgetechgroup.com. Details are in the description.